everybody joining me on this episode of the football report good buddy trey wallace you can catch him on fox sports knoxville where he is the host of it's optional trey uh thanks for joining the show again i'm glad to talk football with you absolutely buddy it's good to be on with you man hope you've been doing well and uh everybody out there got to enjoy a, a turned out to be a fantastic weekend and in college football so i'm glad we got to sit here and talk about this tonight yeah and you know it was a good weekend for the sec i mean even if your scope or your only your attention was on the southeastern conference i think the vanderbilt arkansas game was good for most of the way you know vanderbilt pulled away in the fourth quarter and then you know obviously the 230 slot with florida georgia was good in the primetime matchups are pretty good so it was a good day of sec football just in the conference I was, and Vanderbilt pulled away. You know, that was kind of the, uh, the, I guess, the least big game of the weekend in the SEC. But they pulled away for a nice win at Arkansas, a game that they needed to win. Um, just too many things uh, going on. They, You know, for, for Derek Mason's future, uh, they needed to win that game in Arkansas, and they got the job done. So good for them. Yeah, and of course, you know, the big game was Florida and Georgia. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't recall this ever happening where SEC Nation and game day were both at the same spot, unless maybe a playoff game, but regular season, never seen both pregame shows in the same spot. And just, I look at that game, I think Florida really missed some opportunities early. The missed flea flicker and then the fumble by Jordan Scarlett, the interception by Franks on the next possession. I think Florida really missed some opportunity there early to really, give themselves some great momentum and i know you know it's a four quarter game but just how those things went against them early i think really hurt them throughout the whole game i do too and i I look at that and i think that florida look i I thought they had a pretty decent game plan coming out in the first half um you know trying to establish the run but also take pressure off felipe frank's uh, like you said, they tried a couple trickeration plays, and look, I, I overall I don't think Florida's a bad team. I, I think they have the ability to, you know, to, to make things happen, especially with the I call it the three-headed monster uh, sitting at the running back spot. Felipe Franks, though, man, it when push comes to shove, sometimes he gets just in those situations where um, it's no win and. Unfortunately, ball control for him is still a problem. And you look at the other side, you know, Georgia really bounced back from that performance against LSU. They were able to, to run the football. Uh, Jake Fromm is, you know, he, he's never going to throw the ball, you know, over 25 times a game. But, but when he's able to, to figure out the game plan and, and read those defenses, I'm telling you, he has the ability uh, to make plays for the dogs. So that was a crazy game on Saturday, man. It really broke open in the fourth quarter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you just, if you're someone that just didn't watch the game and you just looked at, you know, at the score 36 17, oh, Georgia, you know, dominated. I mean, that thing was 23 17 in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was still a game. You're thinking, okay, Florida gets a stop here, you know they could win this thing they could come away with a victory and you know the jake Fromm stuff and that was intriguing to me because after the lsu game it seemed like he got a lot of criticism there were people calling for justin fields uh to get more playing time Uh, i I really was impressed how he answered that because i think he played a steady good football game and i think he reminded you know this is a guy that led them as a freshman to the national championship i mean 
they were within one play or so of being the national champion and he led that ship. I mean, everybody, you know, talk about Sonny right. Michelle and Nick Chubb last year. The steadiness of Jake Fromm, I think, was big for Georgia last year. And it's amazing just, you know, we're all reactionary. You know, the sport of football, fans, whatever. We react. You react to the last time we've seen you. But I thought it was a little bit of overreaction from some of the national media on Jake Fromm after that one game against LSU. Uh, look, they ran into a soft down in Baton Rouge, and, and, and LSU is is a good football team. You know, Jake Fromm is a quarterback that, when he, since he does not throw the ball a lot, if he makes some mistakes, you know, in between his fifteen to throw, twenty throws per game, you know, they they come to light more than usual. They they had a bad game in Baton Rouge, and they come back. and And this is a kid in Jake Fromm, a young man who who's led teams into to hostile environments. You look at last year, the how the way he played, you know what to expect of him, and. And that that game against Notre Dame in South Bend last year will still stand out to me uh, and showed me that he was a gamer. And a lot of people did call, you know, for Fields to get more involved in the game plan. And, you know, I go back to the Tennessee game where when when Justin was in the game, it seemed like to me they were able to open up the run game a bit more just because you didn't know what kind of – if he was going to run an RPO uh, in that situation. But – and this one in Jacksonville, you saw Jake Fromm take control of his offense uh, and really opened it up in the fourth quarter as well, you know, in clutch time. And he was able to rely on Swift and Holyfield back there. Uh, for the, and look, if George is going to make a run at the college football playoff, coming off that LSU win, they, they've got to have the run game to do it. And, but – when you have leadership like Jake Fromm being able to to get those formations right at the line, uh, you know, check into different uh, protective packages, and, and be able to to throw that twenty to thirty yard ball down the field uh, to open things up, you kind of see how things go. And and I thought he had the ability to do that on Saturday, and, and Georgia comes out of there with the very very big win, which sets up a crazy game next weekend in Lexington. And by God, I can't believe we're even talking like that. I know. Hey, before the season, I got on here. I gave my order of finishing SEC. I picked Kentucky last in the East. So they really proved me wrong. Uh, they had an interesting game. I, I And I'll be honest with you. I picked Missouri going to that. Last week I came here and said, I'm picking Missouri to win this game. Just because Kentucky, I mean, they struggled to throw going into this game. They were struggling to throw over 100 yards a game. So I was like, if this thing gets a little bit of points are scored, I, I like Missouri because of Drew Locke. But 14 to three at halftime, Kentucky held them without a first down in the second half. Just, but I guess the talking point in this game I've been seeing is the pass interference call. And, you know, this is going to sound like a very politically correct answer. I'm trying to play both sides. I can see why you don't call pass interference there, but at the same time, I do see why you call it. It's it's one of those I think could have went either way, maybe into the game, referee can hold on the flag. But, you know, in the day, if you're Missouri, you still got to stop them from scoring, and you didn't do it. Well, my philosophy on this is it does not matter what down it is, how much time's left in the game, what the situation is, you got to call the play that's on the field. And 
the, you know, he caught the ball. And then also when you look at it as well, you know, he, you know, he was close to having a foot in. I mean, you know, it was probably six, 12 inches from a foot being in, but also you look at it as well. And they were going back and forth at first. And then he looked like, you know, he, the Kentucky wide receiver looked like he was getting held down trying to catch the ball. It was a lot of face guarding. And, and when you really look at it, I, I thought it was a, if they didn't throw it, I'd be comfortable with it. If they did throw it, I'd just be fine as well. And they did, which set up Kentucky with one more play. And, and I love my Kentucky pick from this past weekend. I'm glad <laughs> I did that on Friday. I, I just thought there was, there was something with Kentucky that they'd be motivated to get this win to head into that Georgia game last week. But, man, that last play of the game where, you know, kind of a, a nice little love tap. Uh, to the quarterback right there, and then Wilson hits him uh, on the left side of the end zone, and, and Kentucky goes ahead and wins that game. Such a such a big game, and I've wanted that one to happen. I've wanted Kentucky to win that game just because I would like to see the craziness that will ensue next weekend in Lexington when Kentucky and Georgia are playing for the lead in the SEC East. It, I, it's unbelievable to me. Um, but you look at this game and Kentucky can run the football, you know, they've shown that at times, but the biggest thing with them as well, Philip, is their front seven might be you know, definitely top five in the SEC when it comes to defense. And mm-hmm. they were able to, to shut Drew Locke down on Saturday. Now, I don't know if a lot of that came from Derek Dooley's play calling, uh, but you also take a look at what Kentucky's been able to do on defense this year, and it's not that surprising. Um, this is a team. Uh, you take away a, a crazy turnover in College Station, they can be undefeated right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at this game coming up Saturday with Georgia as, okay, this is exciting football. This is kind of, you know, you want the SEC East to be, you know, up for grabs when it comes to, you know, when you sit in the November and we get that on Saturday. And I and I honestly, I cannot wait uh, for that atmosphere in Lexington uh, this weekend. Yeah, and hey, Coach Mark Stoops could just go pull the old Les Miles thing say we're undefeated in regulation. So, you know, you always have that too. <laughs> it's the craziest thing, man. And, and him getting, you know, he was crowd surfing in the locker room. I mean, Look, good for him. Nobody ever saw this coming. Um, you know, we always uh, look. Us in the media, we knew they had a running game. Didn't quite know how the front seven would would react this year. But good for Kentucky, and that's going to be a lot of fun come Saturday. It is. It definitely is. And uh, I just wouldn't have thought going into the first weekend in November, Kentucky would be in the two thirty slot on CBS in a game. I just. You know, you got SEC right? Nation there. It's it's going to be crazy, and uh, uh, Calipari and the basketball guys need to hold off where they take over the uh, the athletics there at Kentucky because the football team is here. And uh, if they I'm win, that, you. <laughs> and if they win that Saturday, no, I mean, that's yeah, right. <laughs> it gets crazy, Philip. I mean, yeah. it gets it gets nuts because you have to remember Georgia's still got to play Auburn. You know, Kentucky's got to play, you know, Tennessee. Um, but, but man, if, 
you kind of put it, it's almost like a loss for words thing. If they somehow win that game on Saturday, um, I, chaos ensues, man. Yeah, don't uh, don't get me started on Georgia Auburn. Don't get me started on Auburn in general. I might get myself in some trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, now the primetime games on Saturday, now that, they were pretty good. And now I got this one wrong too. I had picked a uh, and M because just like my opinions on Kentucky, I didn't think Nick Fitzgerald could throw over a hundred yards. But uh, they they came out with a point, and Coach Joe Moorhead, you could tell he was fired up. I hadn't seen him like that all year. But uh, they were focused on making sure they could throw the ball with Nick Fitzgerald, and he showed at times he can do it. I'm I'm still going to be a little critical. Can they do that every week? Can they be consistent with their passing game? But for one night, he looked like a passing quarterback. Well, I had high hopes for Mississippi State this year, man. I did. I thought this was a team that could win 10 games or so, maybe 11, maybe make a run at the SEC West in a way. You know, this is before everybody really knew how crazy good Alabama was. Um, They've been kind of bipolar this year, and it's been off and on for them. Um, You know, one week folks are calling for Nick Fitzgerald to be yanked from the game. The next week, you know, they're beating Texas A&M at home, and he's passing and, and running the ball all over the field. Um, I think that's what you've seen from Mississippi State this year, uh, just kind of the craziness that ensues with that football team and not really knowing what to expect. Um, I thought Texas A&M, they, they, I thought they had a good game plan. Texas A&M just has not been able to capitalize off Travion Williams and also having Kellen Mond. Um, I think Jimbo and them, you know, I could see them winning out the rest of the year, but it's still going to be tough, you know. And with Mississippi State, Jim Moorhead, they needed that game uh, in more ways than one. Um, I still don't know what to expect from Nick Fitzgerald the rest of the season just because I think he's so hit or miss every Saturday that you just don't know which one you're going to get. So good win for Mississippi State. Um, they're getting these wins at home, which is interesting to me. Uh, I'd like to see them go on the road and, and get a big win. But, look, if they just keep doing their thing, that's fine. Uh, and, look, in the SEC West, as crazy it is, it's Alabama and LSU for now, and then there's everybody else. And, and it was good to see Mississippi State get the win Saturday. Yeah, on A&M, they now have to travel to Auburn for that 11 o'clock kickoff. And, you know, something interesting about that game is something's going to give either way. Gus Malzahn has never lost after a bye week, which I know Auburn should schedule as many bye weeks as they possibly can for him. Uh, yeah. And A&M, since coming to the SEC, they are 3-0 and at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So something's going to give with those two. So uh, that will be – and I'm sure that stat's going to get thrown out there a million times between now and kick off on, on Saturday. So, uh, and that, that'll be a big game for both those, both those schools, I think, for bowl positioning, uh, coming up. Auburn can't lose that game. Auburn, well, I, look, if they're going to, if they're going to control the narrative down there with Gus Miles on, they can't lose that game. They, mm-hmm. they need to beat Texas A&M. I don't put a lot of stock into the win at Ole Miss just because Ole Miss's defense is so bad. Uh, and look, Auburn's defense is good enough to hold them in check when it comes to points, but, you know, the, the, the fire has not gone out 
on folks that are upset with Gus Miles on, and, and they can't afford a loss on Saturday. So that that's one game I look forward to as well. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The Ole Miss game, I think, maybe delayed it because if they come out and get blown out by Texas A&M, Georgia, and Alabama, and you know, just give Liberty to do, they did beat Troy a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's it's going to get hotter again because it's. I do not think just the people you know I kind of associate with it. People follow Auburn, cover Auburn. It just don't. He's not very popular right now, and. I think back at other coaches, the last two coaches at Auburn, Gene Chizik and Tommy Toberville, they lost games and they got on the hot seat, but I think they were liked a lot more than what Gus Malzahn is. So, you know, there's something about Gus Malzahn. Sometimes you wonder, is he not well liked, you know, overall? He's still liked Toberville and Chizik, so you're like, okay, maybe he can get us out of this, but it's just, you know, long story short, narrow it down. His popularity is not good right now, so he needs a win more than ever. No, I agree. And, and money is not an issue. You know, everybody mm-hmm. looks at that big buyout, but I can go ahead and tell you, talking with some folks down there, you know, if they end up tanking the rest of the year, man, money's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It won't be. They <laughs> there, there's people that will, will take care of that buyout really quickly if uh, they have to. Um, last game, Tennessee and South Carolina. This was a fun game to watch. Of course, you know, you're right there in Knoxville. You get to see these volunteers all the time. I got to say this, um, and, and I like to prove it higher when they made it. And uh, the last couple of weeks seeing Tennessee, the win against Auburn, and I know they lost on Saturday, but the improvement of this team from week to week is showing. And the development of Garrett Garantano is I, I've been impressed with what, where he's been able to go from beginning of the season to now because I had, at the beginning of the season Trey I'll be honest I was questioning why isn't Killer Kristen at quarterback why isn't he playing I kind of see now yep. Garantano has showing what he's capable of doing that he has you know he's developing he has a positive future I guess for me South Carolina it's a South Carolina game they gritted it out they found a way uh, Bentley's a tough guy and he, you know he toughed it out at quarterback position but I, I honestly even though it was a loss for Tennessee I take more out of the loss for Tennessee than I do from the win for South Carolina how, how, how was your take on last night's uh, game I, I think that Tennessee finally lost the game that they should have won and and I don't use that you know that, that phrase lightly I think Tennessee should have beaten South Carolina, and I think they should have probably beaten them by 10 points. But the problem is that Tennessee got away from run game at times. The defensive line just could not stop South Carolina and plug up the holes. You know, I go back and I rewatch the footage. You know, it could, you know, formations that were set up. I think you look at here's the one problem with Tennessee's offense is that. They have the ability at times to run the football, and you saw them run some jet sweeps at times. They were throwing so many screen passes and so many crossing routes over the middle um, and, and short yardage, you know, eight to ten yards, that if they wanted to, they had the ability at times, because South Carolina was running some interesting coverages, they could have tested them deep, and they didn't. And I think that that problem to me lies with Garantano. Garantano has a very hard time throwing the ball deep accurately. And if you go back and look at the Auburn game, you'll notice that most of his deep balls to Callaway Palmer or Jennings were 
more or less 50-50 balls that he threw up, and, and, a, and most of them were underthrown. I give Jared Garantano a lot of credit. He's probably the toughest quarterback that I've seen in a long time in the SEC, and especially at Tennessee. Uh, he takes hit after hit, and, and some of that's his own doing. Some of that is him not checking in to the right protection, um, you know, him not audibly right and, and figuring out and looking at what the defense is bringing towards him. Um, and then you could, you know, you also have to throw in the fact that, that Tennessee, uh, for the last four years, uh, lots of complaints about the offensive line. And I understand that, and I get that. Um, but, but we're eight games into the season now. And as much as you want to continue blaming the offensive line and continue blaming, uh, you know, the offensive scheme, I, I thought they, I thought Tyson Helton had a decent game calling, you know, what they were trying to do and, and get the ball in the playmaker's hands. But, you know, this, this Tennessee team is growing up game by game. And they have freshmen out there in that secondary and, and, and guys at, at different positions at, at running back and, you know, the linebacking core, you know, I think they're growing up and they are getting better. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has completely turned this program around in the sense of guys are not quitting on him. You know, it, it could be, for example, you go out and you get drubbed against Alabama the way that they did and to come back and play like they did against South Carolina with a chance to win that ball game. Uh, that's a tip of the cap to, to Jeremy Pruitt rallying his players, but also it's a mindset change that has happened in Knoxville. I do think there's still some guys there that are under the Butch Jones mindset, and, and they won't be around next year. But overall, I think Tennessee is continuing to approve every every game, but this is one that they should have they should have pulled out in Columbia, and they didn't. And, and that's going to sting. Um, I look at this Tennessee squad, and to me, uh, I, there's not a game left on the schedule they can't win. Uh, but but take out Charlotte, there's also a game on the schedule that they could, you know, they could they could lose as well. So uh, overall, Tennessee is getting better. It next year, you know, I, I look for eight to nine wins with that schedule. But they've got to figure out the quarterback spot, Philip, and that's something that that's been lingering on for a while now. I don't know if you go into another off season trying to figure out if Jared Garantano is going to be your leader on the team, and, and that's going to be a big question heading into these final four weeks. If they make it to a bowl game, technically final six to eight weeks, but. Lots of things to come for the Volunteers, and, and tip of the cap to, to South Carolina and Jake Bentley. That kid takes a pounding as well, man, and he's got one of the prettiest throws in the SEC. Yeah, he does. Uh, South Carolina, they just – I guess, you know, I, I tied up with this. South Carolina is a disappointing team for me because I really thought this was going to be the second-best team in the, in the East in the SEC. And it wasn't just because I thought the Agreed. SEC East was going to be down. I just, I just look at the talent that is available there on offense. Jake Bentley, I think – is a good quarterback. He he has the the tools to be really good. And then you had Debo Samuel coming back, Dowdle at running back, and then you know you got Muschamp there. So you know the defense should be good with him as the head coach. So I, I am a little disappointed with what I've seen out of South Carolina this year. I just thought they would they would be better. They lost the 
they lost their opportunity to be in Kentucky's spot where where they're fighting for the East when it comes to November. And that's a tough pill to swallow for Gamecock fans. Um, I'll be interested to see how their game goes against Florida. Uh, I think South Carolina is a good enough team to beat Florida. I think Florida uh, is a good enough team to beat South Carolina. That's going to be one of those interesting games to me. Um, but South Carolina did drop the ball, in my opinion. Uh, I thought this was a team that that could be number two in the SEC East. And I thought Jake Bentley would separate himself as one of the top quarterbacks in the conference. And that just hasn't happened this year. Uh, so back to the drawing board. They got the win on Saturday, which was clutch for them. They're going to make up that game that they lost because of the hurricane on December 1st against somebody. That'll be announced sometime this week. But uh, overall, you look at it, yeah, I, I'm 100% there with you. I think South Carolina, with the talent they had, should have been in the spot that Kentucky's in now. And you talk about Kentucky. They're part of a big Saturday next week. And the other game, we talked about Georgia and Kentucky a little bit, but Alabama-LSU. And I, I saw on Sunday the, the the line came out. Alabama was a 14.5-point favorite. And I believe I saw it's the biggest underdog for LSU at home since 1999. I guess my quick read, and I'll get your thoughts, is I, I still have questions, can LSU score enough? I think maybe they can keep that thing tight for about a half, you know, maybe in the middle of the third quarter. But I just have questions, can Joe Burrow put up enough offense to keep up with Tua and Alabama offense? I, Man, you know what? I, I, want, to, I want to think that LSU is good enough. To, to stay with this, look, I, I think this is going to be, okay, a couple things. Because Joe Burrow has stepped up and can at least manage the game, I think it will be close in the first half because of that. I think LSU secondary is good enough to hang around with uh, Alabama's receivers. I think you throw everything into it and it being such a huge game and it being a night game at Death Valley and a, a 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time kickoff. I think all the dynamics that you throw into this game, I think this thing could be close in the third quarter. And I'll say this. If Tennessee could put up 21 points on Alabama – I think LSU should be able to hang with the tide for at least three quarters. You know, I, the 14-and-a-half point thing, now it's just getting crazy. Like, these lines that come out, that's just nuts. You got, you know, the number four team is a 14-and-a-half point underdog to the number one team, and the number four team is playing at home. Like, I mean, this is just, you know, we're not talking about game of the century anymore like we had years ago you know, that I got to witness a couple of them between LSU and Alabama. They've separated themselves so much when it comes to that offense, offensive productivity this year that it's astonishing. But I am excited for this game, just like I'm excited for any LSU-Alabama game. And you throw in the fact that it is at night and it is at home uh, and the atmosphere will be absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. And, and I think this can be a ball game for three quarters Philip. yeah it's going to be fun and you're right just the atmosphere uh, i hope cbs gives us a little bit of a feel what the 
pre kickoff stuff feels like on TV because that that place oh, gonna be will. electric. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, they will trust me. They're gonna soak up everything. I mean, you got to think about this, brother. They've got Kentucky, Georgia for the SEC East at two thirty, and then you're going with uh, when you're going with Alabama and LSU at seven o'clock for the West. I mean, SEC on CBS hit the jackpot this weekend, so trust me, they're going to soak up and show just about as much as they can when it comes to the buildup of this game. So I, I'm definitely stoked. I look forward to next week. I hate that we have to wait a few days to make this thing happen, but uh, but bring on the craziness of next week in the SEC. Most definitely. I cannot wait uh, for these games. I'm going to be uh... – Watching the calendar and the hours each day go by because now we're closer uh, to this massive weekend in the SEC. And uh, Trey, uh, as always, I appreciate you coming on talking SEC. It's always a lot of fun talking uh, football with you. And uh, just if the listeners out there wanted to follow you online, uh, where can they find you? And uh, tell us how we can uh, listen to uh, it's optional over on Fox Sports Knoxville. Absolutely, Philip. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. I always enjoy it, as you know. Uh, folks can follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, they can uh, listen to the show. It's optional on Fox Sports Knoxville every day uh, from 12 to 2 o'clock Central Time, 1 to 3 Eastern Time. You can download the Fox Sports Knoxville app. Just search WKGN uh, on Apple. Uh, you can find it on Android and all of our podcasts are on SoundCloud. So, Follow us, and, uh, man, we appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me on, Philip, and uh, I look forward to to the texting and the craziness next weekend, and hopefully we can do this again soon, brother. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, always look forward to you coming on, and uh, thanks again for coming on. And like I said, I, I look forward to talk to you again in the future, see uh, how all this craziness in the SEC is shaking out. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Good luck and down in the state of Alabama this week. All right, thank you.